place where you know what WAP truly stands for, you know, what an awesome podcast. This is In Living Spanglish with your host, Vero Fuerte. And here with me is the smooth sounds of my favorite compadre, Ricardo Mexicano, who is actually uh, has not stopped receiving dozens of fan mail since your burning testicle story last week, by the way. Uh, I wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I wish people cared as much as I did. I don't. I, I, uh, depending on who's heard it, you know, I don't know if they care enough to like send their condolences. But yeah, it's your boy. Uh, they say I'm sim- I'm simple, but uh, I like to rebuttal by saying I'm simply the best. So yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, Ricardo, it is uh, good to hear from you. I feel like we uh, we don't get to talk as much now that you're living in Fort Worth, but it's only a matter of time since I catch up there with you. Uh, this past week, actually, I've been I've been pretty busy. I've been actually taking some Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, uh, and uh, it's it's been a hell of an experience. I'll tell you what, like nothing. Nothing makes you feel like at the same time more empowered and more humbled than like being able to like kick someone's ass and like having your ass kicked all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what do you what but, do you uh so what do you, what are you what are you exactly learning and how long is this supposed to is this like something that you're gonna be doing for like the next several weeks? Well, I want to like initially it just started off as a couple of trial classes. But I do know that there's a couple of gyms up to where I'm going to be moving. So I've already been in contact with a couple of different, like, uh, coaches and people from there to see if I could join. Uh, the ones that I have been doing here uh, that's closer to where I'm currently living, let me tell you, like, it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of women in there. But the few that there are, they can they can kick some major ass. And it's really, really impressive. It's. It's all about how to use your like a like assailant's energy against them, if that makes any sense. You know, like mm-hmm. the more they weigh, different things like that, and how to be able to just counteract all of that and being able to be good under pressure and multitask and all shit that I am naturally not good at. Uh, but I'm learning. I'm learning, and I'm super hyped about it. So, which gym are you going to? You going to like Jacksonville or somewhere else? Tyler, Tyler. Oh, uh, let's go to Tyler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that uh, actually makes me think about, uh, you know what? I was actually talking to someone earlier a couple of days ago, and we got into a little bit of an argument as to how to pronounce the word WAP. So uh, do you say WAP or do you say WAP? Like, give it to me straight. You got it all. I say, I say, uh, I say WAP. Um... But at the, I think I, I think I've said it. I'm pretty sure I use it interchangeably. I've said WAP, you know, depending on like if I'm being silly or stuff like that. But then I'll say WAP too. But then when I say WAP, I think of Gucci Man because you know his his nickname is Guwap. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like just I, I guess just depending on who you are is what you're gonna say. But I think I've used both pretty pretty normally. I think that this is this might become like a resurgence of the GIF versus GIF thing. Because uh, the person that was uh, arguing with me about it, they were actually um, talking about, you know, if you think about, like, what WAP stands for, you know, and the fact that the middle acronym, 
like makes the long a sound or I guess the short a sound. I don't know how like you would say that, but then then you would follow with wap, right? Like that would actually make more sense if you said wap instead of wap. But like wap just sounds so like wap sounds whack. Like wap sounds just really freaking weird to me. So I don't know. So again, I think it's like gonna turn into like more of a gif versus gif thing for me anyway. You said wap sounds whack or wap. Oh, I think WAP sounds whack. I don't know. It just it just doesn't flow off the tongue like nearly as much. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it I, I, I think it hits more. Like you'd be like WAP. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like when you're trying to like string it into like regular conversation, it's just like easier to say like WAP, you know. But uh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys. I mean, yeah, guys. I, I think I think I think it all depends. Like you know, if if you like if you like in conversation to be like, man, Shawty had that. Had that wab when I started hitting from the back, you know, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it all depends on one, your environment, how you grew up talking, uh, if you talk that way, you know, in the first place. And uh, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all, you know, cult- cultural based. And do you just say you, uh, pecan? Or, uh, do you say pecan or uh, pecan? Uh, pecan. See, thank you. Thank you. I feel like I'm the only person in the universe bes- until I met you, apparently, that say that says uh, people. Because everyone else around me and that sounds so bougie as fuck. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know everybody always gets uptight and, you know, they'll, they'll be like, it's pecan. I'd be like, man, shut up, man. It's, it's pecan. It's, I don't see any accent. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, for I, sure. I, 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 I see pecan. I mean, and I, then there's... Uh, I don't think there's hardly any time where I've actually heard the word pecan used like in like a in like a very um like let's say like TV or stuff like that or like movies or like music. I've always heard people say pecan. And then and then you have to remember that uh, when in doubt, you have to reference back to iconic movie lines. And what is the one iconic movie line? that references pecan or pecans or or whatever you want to call it is when Harry met Sally when they were walking around in the museum and they were pretending to be waiters and waitresses and they were saying waiter there is too much pepper in my pack pop pallets of paprikash but I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie pecan human beings pecan mm. <laughs> Of course you would know that. Of course you would know lines like that from that scene. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, But uh, speaking of scenes and things like that, I know that one thing that I have not seen yet, but I know that you've been wanting to talk about a lot. It has been uh, the cuties controversy. Is this supposed to be what was it like a TV series or a movie thing on Netflix? Oh, it's a movie. Okay. No, it's yeah, it's, it's a movie. It's a movie. Uh, so the movie originally was aired at Sundance. Uh, you know the the film festival that is in uh Utah. That um, I think I think it's every January if I remember January February. That's um, true. So th- so this is pre-pandemic. So if you didn't go to Sundance, you didn't really know about this movie. So th- so here's the thing. And this is why I'm having a hard time understanding the outrage now, which which doesn't mean it's not justified. But I feel like if if, if this was like such a big issue then, why did we not hear anything from like Sundance? You know, 
mm-hmm. there were plenty of people who who watched it. So I'm like, what what are we not seeing? What well, what are we seeing that they did not see? You know, wh- why? Because you know, to be honest, I haven't seen the movie, and just from the clips I've seen, I really don't want to. Like, right. Like just seeing some of those scenes, seeing some of the girls dancing the way they were. It just really just and disturbed me, made me made me uncomfortable to like the core. Uh, and like I, and like I said, about how old are these girls? Do you know? They're supposed to be eleven. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Hello, supposed to be eleven. I don't I don't know how old they are in, in, in real life. I haven't looked. Yeah. I, I I haven't looked up their their the actresses' age. I'm assuming they're probably maybe around the same age, if not a little oh, bit older. So yeah, they usually cast yeah. a little old. Right, but they're still underage, nonetheless. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like I said, I have personally not watched it. I have no plans on watching it, just from what I've seen. But I also have taken like a pretty... I'm trying to take a very objective view to it, because I know there's always two sides to uh, every story. So, mm. there are people that obviously hate it that want to cancel netflix which to me is not going to happen all right as much as you want to destroy a whole streaming platform it's netflix all right it's not going to happen all right not saying that that you're that you're that, people are gonna, yeah 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 that makes sense people are always going to try to cancel goliath you know it's it's kind of a ridiculous yeah. attempt right right and so i i think that that whole thing it doesn't make it doesn't mean that they're that their concerns for the movie is uh, unjustified because like I said, I think there are clear red flags and clear um, shocking and exploitive uh, motives in this movie. Even if the director did intend for it to be that, it's just, it's just one of those things where the concept was there, the story was there, the message was there, but the execution, the execution was totally off the mark. Question: Is director a man or a woman? It's a woman. She's a black. She's a black uh woman uh living in it in France. Cause this is a French film, by the way. Yeah. It's a French film, and it was uh I think on Netflix. It's uh they also have it dubbed in English, so you can watch it either in the original French or you can watch it in the in the English dub. They're always edgy, those French, yeah. Mhm. So I actually watched uh before coming on here. I actually watched the interview with uh the director herself, where she was trying to explain the messaging, and she pretty much she she boiled down the plot to it being the story of this girl named Amy, and uh, her experience of like two of two sides of, fe- of femininity. So the first side is the traditional uh, side, where you know based as like you know the role of a woman in the house uh, from her mom. She's learned this from her mom. Because her mm. mom is a, is a very religious Muslim woman from Africa, who you know they moved to France and all that, and mm. the you know so she's trying to show her to be a woman in the way that she knows, uh, and then you have the other side where through this group, because the, the the group of the the group of girls that that Amy meets, the one that show her like how to start dancing and all that, uh, they're called they're called cuties. The little group is called cuties, and. Through that side, she's she's exploring her femininity and what it is to be, uh, like a feminist, quote unquote, through this sort of like display of like, uh, expression through dance and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So, with that, 
like I said, I think the message is there. And what is this message exactly? Like, uh, is she is because what it sounds to me just right off the cuff, because I haven't seen this movie yet, you know, and I think the most that I've seen is I read a couple of um, I read a couple of concerns about it. And I, uh, you know, I took a look at the movie poster, but I've done the very bare minimum to know what is actually going on in the within the breadth of this film. And um, to me, it seems like it's a uh, coming of age story, but in the most uncomfortable, the most uncomfortable kind of coming of age story that we, I don't know if we as a society are necessarily ready to tackle the uh, to tackle the story of like blossoming women's sexuality, like when they're still little girls, you know, and I feel like that's what she's trying to say. Uh, like from me not having seen the movie, from me just seeing the poster, from me like I think I watched the trailer as well. Uh, but I feel like that's what she's trying to get at. Like, uh, but you've you've read some of the interviews and you've well, probably looked into it more than I do. Like, what did you? Yeah, what did because. You- because she also said that, and and here's the problem. Because I'm trying to like be, I'm trying to be like, I'm I'm not trying to tiptoe, but I'm trying to like be very careful with my words because I'm not, I don't agree with this movie at all. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot, but it's weird because a lot of people have said that it's a good film if you can get past like all the all the really cringy scenes, all the very disturbing scenes, and then a lot of people just downright hate it. Mhm. Mhm. So it's like very, it's very polarizing. So yeah. Um, she also, she also said that she wanted, it's pretty, like, I think the the core of the message is how, cause, cause there's also like a, a thing in the movie where, you know, social media, you know, it's like playing like a, a deep role in like children's lives and like exposing mm-hmm. them to like people who are like very, or exposing them to women in particular who are very hypersexualized. So when they see that, you know, kids are very impressionable. So they're going to imitate that from a very young age. And the ultimate, I think, uh, message that it's trying to get across is that, hey, if we don't do something uh, about this, even though you can't really control your your kids, well, I mean, you can to a certain extent, but if we don't, if you don't have a full, a full grasp of like what who they are, the, this this sort of like um, influence can can ex- uh, lead them down this path, but. I think it's very almost irresponsible to like say, hey, like this is how we we don't want to want don't we this is how we don't want to see our kids exploited, but just showing them being exploited every five minutes on screen. Mm. What do you mean by that? Tell me more. Like, like I said, I haven't seen the film myself, but you you're trying to you're trying to prove a point that if you if you're not a good mother if you're this if you're that toward the children then you can leave them to be exploited in some other way whether it be you know dancing very provocatively in these like groups or like beauty pageants etc yeah yeah because i'll be honest like when i was looking at the movie poster um it reminded me a lot of like those Toddlers and Tierras, beauty pageant reality show, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, the little blonde girl, um, that, uh, honey boo boo or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it yeah, yeah. 
me a lot of those vibes. So initially, um, you know, reading the comments underneath the movie poster when it first exploded on Twitter and things like that, I thought like, okay, well, yes, the movie poster is kind of uncomfortable. And we never, I don't, of course, no one wants to get to the point now where, you know, we go so far in our PC, like, apologetic culture where we start, you know, playing devil's advocates for pedophiles or, you know, or, like, sexual exploitations of, like, young people. Like, that's not what we want to do. That's not, I like, I'm sure that's not the majority of our intentions. At the same time, though, like, it is, it, it's a difficult, uh, like, I, I feel like, the amount that I can say about this without actually having to watch the show, I'm literally just speaking from my own opinion when it comes to like how soon should, how soon is it okay for a, a little girl, like, uh, like within the preteen age, like within like ages like nine to 11 to 12, be exposed to you know, like sexuality and like their like their own bodies and like who they are as women and things like that. Because to your point, now that we have social media, now that we have YouTube and all of that, yes, we have parental controls. Yes, we have, you know, like the kids section on Netflix, y todo eso, like this and that and the other, you know, but we can't harbor them from everything all of the time. And that's like the world that we live in. So what do we have? It, the only thing that we have in our power is our influence on them day to day. Yeah. And I, I think like this really, this really reaches home to me. Uh, because, you know, I, I have a little sister, right. And I, ha- and then like, she's nine years old and, um, you know, I just, I, there's certain words sometimes that I'm still really uncomfortable with her using. She's a phenomenal, I don't even know if I should say this out loud, but like she's a phenomenal artist, right? So she can, mm-hmm. she can draw really, really well. Like she draws like really amazing freehand and anime and, and she sketches like no other like little girl that I've personally seen, right? And I'm really proud of her for that. Um, but the characters that she, t- that she sometimes draws in her uh in her sketches are when they're when they're women they're really really voluptuous right they're they're like one figure it's the very hourglass figure right and i always think that's really Mm -hmm. interesting uh like she knows where all the body parts are she knows like where to draw the cleavage everything and she's Mm -hmm. nine she's nine and i i think about that and i'm like how do you like how much attention and she's she's all about like paying attention to detail right she's and that's part of what makes her so good at what she does is that like she draws like the tufts on feathers and like the fine strands on hair but that also means that she's paying attention to everything else right and Mm -hmm. uh i was talking to her the other day about what she wanted to be for halloween right and she said uh that she wanted to be uh that it was uh, she said that she basically told me that she wanted to be a demon, right? And I was like, okay. oh, okay, cool. Uh, you know, like whatever, do your thing. And I'm like, you should, uh, you should sketch it out and show me what you're thinking about, you know. And at first, she she drew an outfit. Let me tell you, Ricardo, though, 
I was like, mm-hmm. no, in my head, like, alarms went off. No way in hell are you going out of the house dressed like that. I'm like, all of a sudden, but- I felt like I was 45 years old, and I was a 45-year-old white man telling his, like, daughter to get back in the house. You know, before she leaves. Oh my gosh, it was. Why did she, did she? Did she draw like? Did she draw the like it was the stereotypical? Ass outfit. Yeah, like it was like it was like. Like, the, almost, like you know how, um, you know Mortal Kombat, right? And I don't know right. all of the characters or whatever, but uh, you know those uh, uh dresses where like they're slit on the thigh, like way up yeah, high, yeah. and have like this like middle part hanging, you know, from from the bottom, right? And yeah, you, uh, have a, you have a katana, uh, and you have a Melina, which Melina is the one that like cover her face, but when she takes it off, she's like a demon. She has like a like a, a disgusting yeah. mouth and stuff like that. Something, something very, very similar, right? Yeah. And so, like, alarm bells went off in my head. I was like, no way in hell. But I knew the like, and it just it just goes to show you how much they take in without you even realizing that they're taking all of this stuff in. And long story short, um, you know, you have to know the kid that you're interacting with and you have to know how they, you have to know how they uh, react to certain reactions that you have. So of course I didn't, even though in my head I was like blowing up, I just, I, I took like a small breath and I just told her, I'm like, well, why don't we think about something else? Blah, 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 blah. And she ended up changing her mind. And now she wants to go as, like, uh, Dia, de la, uh, Dia de los Muertos, like, woman with her face painted and, like, a skeleton form. And, and I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, so long as, you know, like, that other outfit is out of the question. Like, we good, homie. Like, we good. So. Um, yeah, and I think, and, and, that's kind, and that's kind of like a, a very double-edged sword because you're like, all right. Like, where, where do I draw the line of, like, me being su- supportive of, like, my sister and her being a a, a, a girl and eventually yeah. eventually blossoming into, like, a full-grown woman? And, like, where do, where does it, where is the line where I'm hindering her, her progression as a woman and I'm just trying to keep her safe, you know? It's a very, it's a very funny, funny line. Exactly. And especially as, like, uh, like... A Latina older sister, it's it's more difficult because like you can't you can't have them ignore the curvature like that is around their like household twenty four seven or the curvature that they see on TV or or anything like that or how right. even sometimes you know like YouTube or Netflix or whatever they 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 see us and they cast us you know and they stereotype us as certain things and uh, and. On on one hand, like you said, like I want her to be comfortable in her femininity, and that will eventually blossom into sexuality. But sure as hell, not at age nine. You know, I I don't I don't think that's okay. And it is a very like tough line to toe. And you know, we haven't had to have that conversation yet. But mark my words, Ricardo Mexicano, it's it's gonna come sooner or later so like yeah like, i feel like cuties as far as that goes if nothing else I, it's interesting because like movies like this if absolutely nothing else it's just like the walk video you know it it sparks conversation and it sparks you know topics that people typically wouldn't be comfortable you know touching on and things like that and i feel like um that is more important than than almost 
the uh, the actual like media and the movie itself. Right, and uh, and I agree with something you said a little bit a few minutes ago about uh, us normalizing this type of behavior. I feel like mm-hmm. in a way it it kind of has like not 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 like girls doing this, but I feel like almost putting like children in these sort of positions where it's almost not catering to pedophiles, but it could really draw in their interest, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where like the where like these mainstream companies have like tried to really see how far they can they can get with putting material like this out there. When you know, even though you may not make it for pedophile, because honestly who's making stuff for pedophiles, but in the back of your mind you have to know that this is gonna it's gonna attract them. Shit, yeah. And like I think that's what I think that's what would scare people the most, you know? Yeah. And in that fear, I definitely get. But again, like, why would you, why otherwise would you have like pageants, you know, where like three year olds go in there to compete with lipstick and like tube tops, y, y todo eso? I mean, and, and, we, and we know the history with that because, you know, there's been a long history of like men who just go out to like stalk kids, go to those things, sit in the far back row, and just, yeah. you know, just creep on them. Making me yeah. hella uncomfortable right now. Shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that happens. That, that's 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 something not a lot of people talk about, but it happens. Uh, I want to bring up like one more point though before mm-hmm. we get off this topic. So you you brought up the thing about sexuality. So like when you were nine years old or even eleven, like were you ever thinking about sex in that and in, in, at that age? Like that's the thing is that I'll be honest with you, I fucking wasn't. But I was like, and I say this in the most literal term, in the little, most literal sense possible. I was sexually retarded in like that, uh, like my sexual awakening and all of that, like happened way later in life. It happened like when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. No, and actually, no, no, no. I'll take that back because like when I was like 13, 14, 15, like my whole like, um, like sexual awakening as far as that went happened in dabbling in like sexy Harry Potter fan fiction you know or is like okay. sexy Titan fan fiction and yeah, yeah. and the usual yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the usual exactly but i say that that's why i'm uh, like you said that's why i tiptoe more of a, more around my sister and more around other little girls around me because i want them to feel comfortable in their bodies I want them not to feel shamed for having you know like legs and you know like uh like in like boobs eventually when that happens and things like that I don't want them to feel the embarrassment that a lot of us had to go through and I want them to feel okay with it in the skin that they have and I just know that me um that I know through my experience like having no one to talk about puberty, having no one to really talk about what happens, um, you know, like after I get my period or what these feelings were inside of me or even mm-hmm. having no one to like, like watch porn with or, or whatever. Like I just felt like I missed out on so much of like, like sexual awakenings in my life up until like, and I had to play like catch up in a weird ass way in my early twenties that I kind of wish that 
like I uh, I would have had a chance to explore more when I was like younger, six uh, appropriately, you know, like 16, 17, 18, like those sorts of ages. You know, I didn't have my first kiss until I was like 16, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that can't be normal, you know? I don't know. There's the there's the extremes of it, of course. I don't I don't think there's anything I don't think there's any things uh such as like normal when it comes to that. You know, you discover it when you discover it, you know. Uh whether that be at fourteen or twenty two, you know, whenever you find decide to step into that realm of like, you know, having your first kiss, having sex for the first time, you know, that's all depends on the person. So I don't think we should I don't think there should be any stigma on like when you should do something. Uh but my last point, very, very last point is that just be careful about putting these children particularly girls in these positions because and we're talking from like a very young age like like 9 10 11 yeah. where they're they're not going to they're not going to understand what's going on like if they decide one day that that they want to dress a certain way that you, that may that may make you feel uncomfortable or they want to dance a certain way or they want to uh start dating or you know, or maybe explore their sexuality. They're not gonna understand what's going on. That can have serious ramifications when they're older, and really mess with their with their mental space. That can uh, lead to a whole other uh, issues. Cause you know, it's the same thing with like people who have been molested or raped from a very young age. Not not saying that it's in the same realm, but you see that when stuff happens to children from a very young age, it traumatizes them for the rest of their lives. So this can also be something that. Even if it's even if it's not in the same realm as like rape or or like ch- childhood molestation, it can still leave a lasting impact once they're older. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I know that you're kind of the opposite of me, right, Ricardo? Though you had it sort of on an earlier spectrum than most. Yeah, I did, but at, but at the same time, I wish there was like you said, I wish there was somebody there to guide me because I kind of just went full speed. You went ham ahead. Yeah, like I didn't let like, nobody hold my hand. Like I just kind of yeah. like just went and like found what I could, and like just try to like. Uh, I, I've always been like a natural like wanting to learn. So Inquis- when there was something, hmm. Inquisitive. Yeah. So w- even like from a very young age, and I feel like it, it did kind of mess me up. Just kind of just really trying to like explore all like the deviousness of like pornography and just like sexuality and stuff like that and like not really have anybody to talk to except for like friends and stuff like that but well i mean we're all teenagers and kids we're not we don't really know ourselves because it's a very taboo thing in the hispanic community to talk about sex with your parents like that's something like almost that almost never happens Fuck yes that like what is like, the talk no tenemos por nada yeah yeah like like they're, they're not gonna talk about that you, you think i'm gonna go up to my mom and ask her what a condom is like no Fuck no. Mm. Mm-mm. But yeah, so, no. So yeah, that was a, a very serious conversation. <laughs> we got pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, we got. Uh, I think we should. No strangers think, shit. Yeah, I think we should switch gears and yeah. uh, move on to something uh, relatively still serious, but uh, on a different um, end is uh, something that I came across recently that I was thinking about was the whole Latin X um pronoun? What, what what would you call it? Title, pronoun? Um Well, it wouldn't be a pronoun because that I think the pronoun for people that consider themselves 
um, not gender neutral, but like non-conforming would be like they, their, things like that. I think Latinx would be just, I guess, more of just a noun. Well, that's the thing, like, and there's, there's, because there's people that identify it as a pronoun and as, you know, being gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, uh, there was like this recent article I read that I sent you, um, and it kind of went in, in depth of like where it originally came from and, uh, who uses it, who identifies as it, who, and like, who doesn't really like it and who also sees it as like another, uh, political, stance you know to try to like you know paint this facade i guess of like um uh inclusivity i guess mm-hmm. just try what, to go along I... with the trend oh, okay. try to go along with trying try to go along with like the trend of like you know everything else that's been going on like the past 10 years right 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 and i guess that's why you would use the word facade um but yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, not 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 saying that I personally believe that, but I'm yeah, just saying yeah. that you know it, it could be one of those things where you like you're trying to deploy a certain message just to c- try to like get on the bandwagon of like the LGBT community and stuff like that. Well, uh, I I get where people would probably try to make that argument. The thing about the word Latinx is that it's I think it was brought about just to have a way for the Hispanic and Latino community to accommodate the people of, you know, that are gender nonconforming. And uh, I'll be honest, like my first experience with the word Latinx was through social media. And you know how like you when you read a word in a book, but you but you never really say the word out loud. And whenever you say the word out loud for the first time that you've only ever read in a book, And I've had experiences where I would like mispronounce a word like, okay, like whenever I would read Harry Potter. Right. And there's this character, Hermione Granger. But when I was like in fifth and sixth grade, like I read the books, but I know how the fuck to pronounce her name. So when I finally ended up like talking about the book for the first time out loud with someone else, I would pronounce Hermione. Right. And I had no idea because the movies weren't out at the time. And that's kind of how I felt with Latinx when I was I think I saw, first saw it on Instagram like about two years ago or so and I just I, I didn't know how to pronounce it I was like is this like Latin like in in this X supposed to be silence like I I, I had no clue and uh, it's not until like I I obviously watched some videos later on and I realized that but the problem with the word honestly I don't have an issue with it uh, it took me a little while to warm up to it because, and really, it's because of one superficial reason. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. It just doesn't. Like whenever you're talking Latino, Latina, and everything else, like that rolls off the tongue. Uh, but like baby, like lat- Latinx, like that's a whole extra fucking syllable. And I know, like those are like, like small complaints or whatever. It's not really a complaint, but it's just an observation. You know, when especially when you're thinking about the older generation that we have of like Hispanic, uh, Latinos, Latinas, Latinxes, uh, grandparents, you know, that are now experiencing us, you know, experiencing this world where we're trying to be more in- inclusive. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to like watch them, you know, try to 
like uh, basically watch them witness us, you know, go through this whole like um uh, what's it called? I guess evolution in vocabulary to being more inclusive. Like, have you had conversations with your grandparents or anything like that in regards to that word? Oh, uh, hell no. <laughs> uh, my, my, my only grandma that I, the, my only grandma that I have alive. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty much the only grandparent I have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's lived in Mexico her whole life. So she has no idea because the, the whole lot of next thing is more of a American thing. That, that stuff doesn't really exist in uh, Mexico or like Latin America. Yeah, uh, but... I, 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 don't, I don't doubt it does. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it doesn't at all, but I'm pretty sure it's a more, uh, North American. Well, not, I won't say North America, but, but a more United States sort of concept than it is like down in actual Latin America. Uh, but yeah, my grandma's like 75, 76. She ain't she about Spanish. She, 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 yeah. she would, she don't know nothing about that. She'll probably look at me thinking I'm trying to pronounce like something. She probably, she probably look at me thinking I'm pronouncing the word wrong or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like she, she wouldn't know what to say. And I think if I, if you don't bring up to my mom or dad, they probably won't know what it is at all. Um, I feel like when it comes to the older generation, the older generation, especially in the United States, uh, I feel like a similarity that they have that could be maybe intertwined with like Latin X would be like the whole Chicano movement. Cause that's something that not, not a lot of people really talk about anymore. Um, and there's, there's plenty of people that still identify as like, as Chicano because you know, Chicano was kind of like a thing that started during like the civil rights era in the sixties mm-hmm. where it was pretty much trying to get rid of like this whole notion of like, Hey, I'm not. I'm 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 proud to be Mexican. I'm proud to be Hispanic, but I don't want to be associated with these, you know, these colonizers, these, you know, people who exploited our people for so long. So now we're we're Chicano, you know, we're the United uh United Farmer Movement, which you know was started by by Cesar Chavez in like Northern California, you know, like all these people kind of like rose up uh the Hispanic community in particular, well, pretty much all of them. And there was like people there was like also Filipino and stuff like that. Um who uh, adopted this new identity as being Chicano. Like, we're no longer what you want us to be. We're going to be what we want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the rebels of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were. Not not of sorts. They were the rebels. Exactly. But, like, I feel like nowadays, the, the word Chicano, right. the, the word Chicana, like, that is that is uh far more accepted than obviously like latinx and i mean and then if you want to get into real minutia uh if you're uh, a a a gender non-conforming or a transgender uh person that happens to identify as uh chicano would that be chican x like i i feel sort of i really wish that i don't know i really wish that I'm, I cannot wait. Let me tell you, Ricardo, until we have uh, guests on this podcast, because there are so many questions that I have that I feel like you and I can touch on, but we won't exactly yeah. have the answers to, you know, and this is definitely one of them. Um, like when it comes to when it comes to Latinx, I can only imagine talking to my mom about it because my mom is a very uh, she's a very upright sort of uh, she's not like intensely religious but she you know follows all the general decorums of you know like um uh i don't know yeah yeah well no she she used to be catholic but now like we're more into like the baptist spiel or she is anyway 
Okay, okay. And, okay. and I feel like the term Latinx would not really vibe with them and it would not be something that they would optimally use, but maybe that's just because they're more conservative in nature. And that's something that we have to take into account, too, that the people of the Latinx community are fighting because whether we want to admit it or not, like at least in I can only speak for Mexicans, at least in the Mexican community, we're very traditional in nature. You know, we look at uh, old school white people that, you know, like uh, grew up in the Bible Belt and things like that and how like uh, restrictive they are, like conceptually when it comes to like gay rights and things like that. But, you know, we have our issues, too, and that's something that we don't talk about a whole lot, or at least that doesn't get, like, exposed nearly as much whenever uh, it's, like, this constant, when we're still trying to, like, fight for our own rights and our own, like, way of representation within the United States, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Like, I've always I've always said to myself and thought that mm-hmm. if, if Hispanics in the United States weren't... Uh, mistreated and if they weren't mistreated no if they weren't mistreated and like tr- and like suffered from like racism mm-hmm. they that they would easily fall under uh the the conservative uh republican uh party because they pretty much share the especially like the older generation they share that the the, the concepts that the republican party is usually associated with was you know a- uh anti uh, gay, uh, anti-gay rights, uh, you know, uh, anti-abortion, uh, the traditional family, the the nuclear family, you know, they share a lot of things in common. Some beliefs, like follow those same same sort of uh, those same sort of mandates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they they they, it, it's very it's sad to say, but yeah, like like the Hispanic community, like, and I and I and I and I say the older generation because they display more of it, where I feel like the younger one is kind of like gone away from that but you know not everybody's the same i'm pretty sure there are people that still who are already they still carry those same traditions mm-hmm. um but yeah they share a lot in common and, it, and it's like very very weird and sad to, to look at sometimes when you think about it yeah absolutely and that's definitely something that we can even like touch on deeper and then like in another episode because like that is uh, uh that is uh something that I-, I feel like a bunch of us are sometimes still kind of scared to talk about, you know. Um, but yeah, no, no, definitely. Let's uh let's go ahead and put a bookmark on that because that's that's something even bigger to unpack for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, heavy, but, but uh, I want I want to say that I generally I'm still very confused. I'm still kind of lost on the whole Latinx thing because I respect it. Like if somebody like would have been like, hey, I identify as Latinx, or if you if you're gonna call me uh, Latino, Latina, please call me Latinx instead. Yeah. Like, okay, cool, I respect that. But myself, I just still don't really get it. I just I, I, there's a part of me that's like, is this pandering? Because I feel like it's just pandering and like trying to like gain acceptance. And I, there's oh. another there's another part of me where it's just like, is this or is this just like a trend? Like is this gonna? I feel like this is gonna fade away eventually. I don't think it's going to fade away. And the reason why I don't think it's going to fade away is because of the way that our language is structured. Spanish in and of itself, I mean, you know, Ricardo, like we have the one thing that um, English doesn't have 
And, you know, English is pretty much of a mud of a language, but I don't think English has nearly as just obvious masculine and feminine words the way that, you know, like that is very much built into the core foundational structure of Spanish. You know, things that end with an A are feminine, things that end with an O are masculine. And because of that, I could see as I could see if I was someone that was gender nonconforming or uh, or someone that was transgender or any of those that I would feel if I really cared about it in that way, I would feel kind of like I didn't belong. I didn't fit into a, a certain mold. I didn't have a certain place for me, you know, that I didn't have a space where I fit in or a space that I could have really identify as myself. You know, that's why even though the equivalent of that in English, I think are the LGBTQ communities, you know, where I'm sure 40 years ago, I, I don't know if we had the terms bisexual, you know, or LG, let's see, we had lesbian, we had gay, LGBTQ, like there, there are a lot of terms now that we have to identify or like poly, uh, what's it called? Pansexual, right? There's a yeah, lot of terms that we yeah. now to, yeah, to identify certain sexualities that I'm sure that we didn't have 40 years ago in English. And I feel like we're just seeing the resurgence of that, but only when it comes to Spanish. And that's the one way that they can foundationally make a place for themselves is to make a space for themselves within our mess or traditionally either masculine or feminine language, you know? And it's funny that you bring that up because in that article I was reading, uh, it actually said that the neutral, I guess the gender neutral word for Latino, Latina is uh, Latine, like with an E at the end. Really? Yeah, Latine. Huh. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, when I read that, I'm like, what? I'm like, that, that's something new. I've never heard that ever. I've never heard anybody use the word Latine. So did they just not like the E at the end? It was the E with an asterisk and they just... No, I feel like probably most people don't even know about that. I feel like most people don't don't know about that 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 word even exists. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. that's actually uh, yeah. If you go back and read it, you'll find it in there. It's, a, yeah. it's an actual word. Um, bisexual did exist back then. Bisexual been around yeah, for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think I was thinking more of like closer to like the pansexual stuff and all of that, but like, sure, you you, you might have been thinking know? you might have been thinking of like. You might have been thinking of like non-binary, non stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah, more new. yeah. Stuff like and, that is like very new. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, all of that, I mean, like, listen, like, me and Ricardo are not saying that those, uh, that, that those people and like, you, like, did not exist because obviously, like, all of this, like, people's experiences whether it's with like trans uh transgender and being gay and all of that that's gone back like uh thousands and thousands of years way back since the beginning of time right so people have always been born that way and felt that way and etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it comes to language i feel like that's something new that we're uh exploring um uh, yes in the english language but uh, I feel like even more in the Spanish language because it feels it still feels very very new for a lot of us, you know. Yeah, for sure. What do you, what do you feel about the 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 woman with an X on the O or like the X on the E? What do you feel about that? 
The woman with the X on the O. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm trying to visualize. Like the word, like the the word woman. Just put an X on the O. Oh, in, in place of the O. Okay. Um. I mean, not not the O. The uh, the the A or the E. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like W O M X N. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've I've used it before, you know, and really because I'm. Uh, really, at the end of the day, it's because it, because I'm someone that feels like I've been born into the 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 skin of like what I am. Like I know that I'm a female. Like I was born as a girl, and all of that. I when I use those words and when I use those terms, and I do go out of my way, um, and use the o uh, the x instead of the a or the e. I I do it almost more out of courtesy. You know, because you never know who's going to be watching your stories or reading your posts. And I just I, I want to be more inclusive um, for anyone who's out there. And so that's why I use it. I personally, I don't have anything against it. A couple of years ago, if you would have asked me that question, I remember uh, when it came to the whole like Latinx thing, when I, I, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it I thought it was kind of pandering. I didn't really get it. But like. As time goes on, like like you said, it just it becomes a matter of what's it to you? You know, like what more harm is it going to do? You know, English, English and language in general evolves so much over the over, you know, years and years in time. And if it the fact that we come up with new slang like every couple of years if we if we come up with new words to make people feel a little more included in society, I feel like that's all the more reason to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I I, I don't like I said I respect everybody the way they want to be identified. I just try to understand, you know, because it's, I I'm not ashamed to be like I don't get it. Like I I I just want to know more about why certain things are used, you know? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I feel like a lot of people try to like attack certain people because they want to because they ask like a genuine question be like well what does it mean why 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 are you saying this you know and people get offended very, really easily just by asking you but just by you trying to understand why yeah. certain things why certain people decide to identify the way they are and I, I don't think i don't think it should be that way uh like for instance like i've come a long way like you know usually when let's say i'm hearing about somebody and uh, somebody's talking about somebody, right? That I've never met. I, mm. I find myself now more more than ever referring to that person that they're talking about as they, because I don't know. I'm, in my mind, even though I've never met them and I don't know anything about them, and the person who who I'm talking with could be telling me that they're a, a boy or a girl, I'll still say they because you know in my mind I'm like I don't know what they really identify as, so I'm just gonna say they, you know, in That's place. Cool. Right there, Broski. That's growth. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. Like. And I I get it. I feel like when it comes to asking questions and shit, like, I'll be honest, like, there, there is a, I want to be, I want to be in a space where I feel like it's open and welcoming for me to ask questions, but then I put myself in the same shoes, you know? Um, It all depends on the audience. It all depends on the circle that's around you, you know? Like, you can be at a job interview and if somebody were to ask you certain questions about like 
your Latinidad or, you know, your sexuality or this, that and the other, that would be deemed inappropriate. But if you're in a group of like interested friends and you guys are just kicking it in the backyard and you guys know each other like that, then then I mean, it, it's more than likely cool. Like it, it depends on your audience and it depends on like how you know that person. And there's gray areas in that. And for that, you just I think you just have to be like social, more socially aware of the situation that you find yourself in. Yeah, it's all it's all about time and place and just how you approach it. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's it. So what we got next, Vettel? Uh, what we have next is we are going to have to take a quick pause because I've been holding my pee in for like the last 20 minutes and I really, really got to go. So I'll be right back. OK. Okay, okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick pause, and we'll be right back after this quick bathroom break. What up, what up, what up, and back with a freshly emptied bladder, it is the In Living Spanglish podcast. I don't have, I don't think that I have to say that again, but, you know, uh, there you have it, um, but. Yeah, um, we're, yeah, we're back, we're back, yeah, yeah that's okay. all you need to know, we're back. Bladder, yeah, bladder's all clean and pristine, right, Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, so, so what, uh, what we're we going to talk about? The the one thing that uh, I was actually thinking about a little bit yesterday is the whole comparison thing when it comes to um, pe- uh, like successful people of color, right? So, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm talking, uh, you know what I'm talking about when I say that when basically I'm posing the question: Is it reductive? Or is it empowering to compare like successful us's or successful people of color to their white counterparts? You know, and um, uh, like I said, I was having trouble uh, thinking of a direct example other than the one lyric from Donald Glover from his album Camp, right? And I think it's from the song Hold On or or algo así, and it basically goes, "I won't stop until they say James Franco is the white Donald Glover." You know, and just how we think about that or how we feel about that, because I'll be honest, I, I I make a lot of those jokes. You know, I call myself, you know, the Hispanic Helga Pataki and the Latin mm. Liz Lemon. And to me, that's all in good fun. Um, right. But I have seen some people argue the opposite. Yeah, I think I think it only becomes an issue when you put the whole annotation of, of race, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it can like really get really messy because you're like saying like oh what is why does you know blah 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 have to be compared to this you know mainstream famous uh white person like why can't they just be great on their own like mm-hmm. why why did it take this comparison from for them to be recognized as one of the greats you know because I, I don't think I think if you can compare I don't know Spike Lee to to uh to Kubrick and just and just leave it at that you know I think no no people have a have an issue with it but when you say oh um who the when you say uh what's my dude's name oh crap oh crap uh Barry Jenkins who uh, did a uh, Moonlight when you say mm-hmm. he is the uh he is the black I don't know uh what what's what's the dude that did uh Harry Met Sally what's the director's uh-huh. name uh, that's Nora Ephron, I think. If I remember. Oh yeah, no, the... yeah, no, 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 yeah, that's her, that's her. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> of a. Uh, uh, 
No, no, no. Who's the person that did like a lot of those uh really famous like rom coms in the eighties? Uh oh, you're talking about the guy that directed the one movie with the, the 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 guy holding the stereo over his head, right? In Breakfast Club, the Rat Pack, right? I don't remember. Yeah. What uh. Uh. It is John Long. Whatever his name was. Like yeah, 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 John, yeah. John John Land John Landis John Landis. That's what it was. John Landis. Yeah. If if you were to say like Barry Jenkins is is the black John Landis. Uh, I know there could be a better comparison, but that's really the one that came to the top of my mind. I think it does become a little insulting just because you're just almost you're almost reducing him to being less than like saying that, oh, yeah, he's good, but he can never be this person. He can only just be compared, but he can never uh, surpass them, you know? Well, then whatever happened to the idea of like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, like when you say that that is something similar that people could take away for comparisons you know that comparison could also be another form of flattery i think yeah i think i think there's nothing wrong with comparing people like i said i think it's when when you put that connotation of race Mm. when you put when you put in that idea in people's head that that yeah he's black and he reminds me of this person but he'll never be that person you know Right, right. And I uh, that reminds me of I think something I saw on Twitter. Um John Hughes, by the way. Is that who you were th- thinking of with 16 Candles and Ferris Bueller's yeah, they John all John Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. John John La- John Landis also did like a lot of uh famous stuff in the 80s. Right. You know? right, right. Um no, but that reminds me of something that I saw on Twitter that I mean, it it made me upset just because I thought that it was inaccurate, but um, it was they were comparing um, Peel, you know, like Get Out and uh, all of uh, Get Out and all of those other movies uh, to what, what were they? Who was in? I don't know. You know horror movies better than I do. They kind of go like he. They were comparing Peel to. Uh, some famous horror movie maker, not Stephen King, but somebody else, like, or some, Craven? something like that. Yeah. Wes, and Wes Craven did, uh, Wes Craven did Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were basically giving him, uh, they were basically saying that he was the, the black Wes Craven or something along yeah. those lines. And that made me that made me upset on like several different levels, mostly just because I thought, okay, so he made two horror movies and all of a sudden like but that's a whole nother discussion because that's when we fall into the hyperbole culture. But uh, I get what you're saying. I think that I can see where it's reductive, but I also don't think that it's limited to just race because I have heard like through certain channels and stuff, uh, people compare Michaela Cole um, you know, and she happens to be black and from the UK a lot to Issa Rae, who I think has had like more uh blow up success, at least in, in the United States. Uh, so whenever people compare Michaela Cole, they think, oh, she's the UK Issa Rae. So they're both black. So it has nothing to do with race. It's more to do with regions. Is that still something that they could, you know, take offense to or like find as an insult uh possibly i I think it depends on who you are uh i think it kind of goes back to that that whole thing of like just letting people be be them mm-hmm. be, be themselves like stop trying to always compare certain people to 
this famous director, this famous actress, this famous singer, like just let that person be who they are and let them be great. Uh, I think, I think, you know, uh, you can have a, um, a reasonable, uh, reason to be offended, mad, or even, or, or you, or you could be the complete opposite and take it as a, as praise, you know, and be like, oh, I really admire that person. I'm glad that I'm being looked at in the same realm of them, you know, so there could be that, that side too. Yeah, and I get the I get the urge to you know whenever you spend so much time and so many years trying to like climb up and get some sort of no, notoriety that you want your name to stand on its own, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, but at the same like fucking time, like you can call me, you can call me Issa Rae's little sister like any time of the fucking day. Like come on with it. Like I don't even care. You can uh, what is that girl from uh? Jeez, Jane the Virgin. What is her name? What is her name? What is her name? Um, oh, um. What is her freaking, name? Uh, uh, what's her name? I uh, love. She's kind of blanking right now. Let's see. Hold on. Jane the Virgin. She's kind of. She's 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 kind of a problematic uh, in some spaces. Is she yeah. will to, like learn yeah. more? Uh, Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez. Okay, Gina Rodriguez. Okay, all right. Yeah, she, so. she, she's uh, she's made some comments in the past that were a little uh, kind of on the, uh, you know, just do your research. You'll, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, like, I'll end up taking that with a grain of salt because, like, what – if you can background – if you can back check me on anything, you'll find, like, some comments that are problematic, human beings. Like, that's just, like, straight up what it is, bro. But, yeah, no, I'll definitely look into it for sure. But, anyway, not to veer off too much from the topic, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? Is that yeah. I do – a certain point when you're climbing up to your career that you want your name to stand on its own but i feel like in betwixt like being at the very bottom you know and getting up there like i don't mind a little bit of comparison you know compare me to whoever you want to compare me to you know i um i think that frame of reference is like really interesting just to get the perspective on how other people see you but i understand the need to also not want to be put in that box yeah, and I'm the complete opposite. I don't really like being compared to mm-hmm. to anybody. I th- I think the most I will take it is like, oh, you remind me of this person, but that's about it. Like, I don't I don't really like direct comparisons. I you know I really like to st- I, I I take a lot of pride in my in- individuality, and I like okay. people knowing me for me. And um, yeah, I've always I've always stood on that. Like you know, I don't look up to anybody but myself, kind of thing. Thank um, you. And I, and I get that and I respect that. I think like with me, what it is, is that I'm just trying to find a way to embrace the inevitable, you know, because you can't really change society. It's kind of like when you're driving and it's like raining and it's really wet on the road, like the comparisons in the in the boxes that people put you in are kind of like the water on the road, you know, and like if you're going to hydroplane, you might as well steer into it. So you have your own version of control of the situation rather than just you know, going against it, and that could only end up, like, end up you trying to uh, fight a losing battle, if that makes any sense. Uh, I get what you're going at, but at the same time... (laughs) You're so happy, Godzilla. I get it, I get it, we all get it. No, I'm just saying, like, like, or you can stop your car and pull off to the side. Yeah. And figure out a better and figure out a better way you can get through all this rain or just wait it out for a bit. You know, take the high road. 
you yeah. know, because yeah. my dad. Yeah, just what you're saying. I mean, take 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 yeah. take take the the road less travel. What I mean, not the high road. Mm -hmm. Take the road less travel because a lot of times you can build up longevity. It may be it may take longer to get there, but your longevity will be greater in the end. This this metaphor spicy as shit, bruh. I'm feeling it. I I'm could telling I, you, I'm telling I'm snapping you. right now. If I could snap with this hand, I'm left handed, so this is shit right now. If and, you can't hear this, and, and, and look, like <laughs> like I said, I don't I don't think I, I don't think there's anything wrong with calling yourself like you said, like Issa Rae's little sister or the the Latina uh, Liz Lemon. Like like that's cool. Like because look look at look at my Twitter handle. I'm I'm the I'm Mexican Natsu. Like, like Natsu's a, 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 I mean, he's a, he's an anime character. He's from Fairy Tale, but I'm still portraying myself as like the Mexican version of that. Yeah, yeah, I feel so, that. Like, there's nothing, I don't think, I'm saying I don't think there's anything wrong with like saying that. Oh, you're you're the this version of that. I just think, and and, and that's you personally. Mm. You know, if you want to do that yourself, that's cool. But when other people start making these comparisons and and try to like almost belittle you, that's why I have a problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I get you, I get you. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it's a good time, like right now as any, to go ahead and launch into our Good Looking Out segment. So uh, this is a segment where we go ahead and we just uh, discuss uh, the different uh, movies, music, TV shows, and things that we've been really uh, into and uh, dive deep into them uh, for recommendations in jazz. So, uh, Ricardo, I know that uh, one of the things that you were really uh, excited to talk about was a movie that we actually watched together a couple of days ago. Is that right? Yeah, we watched uh, one of the new films on Netflix. Uh, I'm thinking of Ending Things. Me and uh, Veronica watched it on a, on a virtual watch party, kind of, you know, a little little bootleg rig that we had set up. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we, we made it work, you know? Um, so it's, this is going to be like part, this is going to be like part recommendations, part analysis, uh -huh. because this movie is pretty, it's intense. It's pretty, it's, a lot. it's pretty layered. It's a lot, it's a lot of like, That's a light, uh, it's a, for it. light work. Right. It, it says a lot without doing too much, which is why it like takes a lot of like analysis and concentration to like, try to like, on like peel the the layers of the onion back you know try to like figure out what's going on type of thing uh but definitely uh just based off recommendation definitely go watch it if you haven't uh i'm think it's called i'm thinking of ending things again mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of ending things yeah it's a pretty yeah pretty uh weird weird name but uh it's based off a book and i'm not sure that i can't can't remember the uh the author's name you're familiar with the author right right uh, no, I actually, I just found this one through a trailer and I sent it to you and we actually watched it because um, it just recently released this Friday, so it's really new. Yeah, last Friday, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so I want to ask you right quick. So what were your impressions like after the film ended? <laughs> oh! Hell, like, you know, you and I talked for about an hour after, like, the whole movie was over. And yeah. the movie, I didn't hate it, okay? I thought that it was really interesting. Now, is it going to be a movie that I end up rewatching over and over? I'm going to say no, partially because it was really, really heavy-handed. Um, it's made uh, by one of the people that had a hand in making, um, eternal, uh, sunshine of a, eternal sunshine of a spotless mind, right? Um, well, he direct, it's, a, it's the same director. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. And so yeah. they have. Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. Mm -hmm. 
And so it had a lot of the same similar, like, like um, euphoric feel, a lot of, like, really crazy symbolisms and things like that. And, you know, I like, I consider myself, like, half bougie, half, like, culturally negligent, you know, like, I, I choose what I want to be when I want to be it. And, but I do pride myself and, you know, picking out some really, having a really good taste in films, music, movies, whatever. But with this one, it was just one of those movies that I sat through and I could tell it was trying to give me a message um, about, you know, isolation and ageism and, um, and growing old and alone and, it's it's definitely not, you know, a cheerful, sunny movie. It's definitely something that you have to, like, readily prepare yourself to be, like, creeped out and uh, also to, like, think a little bit if you want to go that far. But to me, it was just, it was very, very heavy. I enjoyed it. Uh, but the themes in the movie did not make me curious enough to want to go back uh, to watch it again to further analyze it. I might read up on it a little bit just to see what the director and what the makers of the movie intended behind certain like symbolisms because there were a hell of a lot of them. Okay, you guys, I will never look at pigs the same way again, let me tell you. But mm-hmm. um, I probably won't go, go back to watch it, but I will read up on it because uh, it was it was definitely a movie that takes some deciphering. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't want to give anything away just because, you know, if you haven't seen it, it would definitely be better if you go in without knowing, uh, without really knowing about any, um, key details to the movies. Cause, well, even then, I feel like if I were to like explain like the main like parts, it, it, it was, it, it would still be pretty, it would still be pretty hard to like understand what's going on. So, I mean, but still, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it, but, I don't know, Vero. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you, if, by not watching it again. Because I'm definitely going to watch it again. I know you I feel are. like That's all up in your no, alley. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, there's so much, there's so many key details, the nuances that I feel like I missed the first time around. Because I'm not going to catch everything the first viewing. So I feel like I have to go back and like really pay attention to some of the stuff that I overlooked or maybe just didn't catch on first sight. And uh, I mean, the the main the main two theories that I remember explaining to you was it's either it's either about um her wasting everybody's time and that's all i'm going to say um for my first theory or that it's all in somebody's head i'm not going to say whose head but it's it's it's, this is all pretty much like a dream kind of thing yeah 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 i get you i get you um me i pretty much thought that it was uh a movie about um ageism and sort of like what happens uh when you waste too much time waiting for the right thing to happen or waiting for the perfect time and uh like just like the the differences and what can happen if you don't uh if you don't take chances when you're middle aged and how how much different middle age is from like senior citizen age and how people don't really think about that gap in between your life, you know, from middle age to like legitimately old. I know that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Um, so I think that's one of them. Um, um, I think 
like I said, I don't know if I'll rewatch it just because that pig scene, bruh, that pig scene did me in. And there's going to be a lot of times when um, you're going to watch the certain character, certain female characters in this movie, and you're going to want to think that they're represent, like representative of something. Um, and you just stare at them and you wait for something to happen. You wait for them to like be a symbol of, you know, like greed or jealousy or, you know, the past coming back to haunt you. And you're just, uh, you're just, for me, I feel like I was left with a bunch of unanswered questions, not in the satisfying, you know, like lead you to your own conclusion interstellar sort of way, but just sort of like, I still don't understand where you were trying to lead me. Like, what path was I supposed to go on? Like, I'm still at the beginning not knowing what crossroads I should take. Um, so it's not I, – I don't think that it was a bad movie. I just don't think that the movie, like, resonated with me. and Or no, I don't think the movie hooked me in because I didn't get it from the jump. And uh, even though there was a lot of questions that I still have – uh, unless it's like very, very conveniently placed in front of me, I don't think that I'll be watching it again. So I personally, I would give it probably seven and a half Veronica stars out of 10. Uh, I gave it 8.5 pigs out of 10. Point um, what does that mean? 8.5 pigs oh, out of 10. Okay. Okay. 8.5. I didn't hear the eight part. Yeah. Yeah. 8.5 pigs out of 10. Um, when you say age of them, are you, are you referring to Lisa, which is not really her name? She goes by like I don't know how many different names yeah, in that movie. Yeah, like, or 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 are you referring to Jake? Uh, I'm mostly referring to the woman. I think it was Lisa, Louisa, or all the other million names that she had. Because um, she's not that old. She's not, but I drew a lot so of I'm comparisons in, between her and uh, Jake's mother. You know, and I really? thought well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, is she supposed to be looking into, like, her own future and what can happen? And because, you know, like, later on, like, it felt like Jake and his dad basically became the same person. And just, like, okay, so, like, we're not going to go go into, into this uh, because I know that there's – because this is one of those movies that are really, really hard to review without literally giving, like, everything scene by scene, detail by detail. But – uh, let's just say, uh, yeah, that's basically where I got, uh, where I got the ageism from is I thought they were trying, try, I was grasping at straws, Ricardo. I was grasping at straws trying to figure out some sort of conclusion to this, like, confusing ass movie with this, like, talking, bleeding pig that I still can't get over and still haunts my nightmares to this very day, okay? It's not, it's not that bad. Bruh. <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 see, I, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't thought about it the way you did because yeah. how I how I took it was you know in reference to my first theory where where I where I stayed so pretty much and this is not spoiling anything uh, because the movie is literally called I'm thinking of anything like the plot you can read it up on IMDb or wherever you re- the plot will say that the the female protagonist uh, Lisa Louisa whatever name she goes by uh, she's she wants to break up with her boyfriend um, and I took it like I, I didn't think about her looking into like Jake's mom and her dad as like her looking into her future. I took it, like I said, as by you postponing and by you procrastinating this inevitable uh ending of this relationship 
you are literally aging the people around you kind of thing. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah, yeah. And I like that theory, too. I like it, too. You know, it's just there's a lot of different ways that you could interpret this movie, and that is both the fascination and the frustration of it. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, So uh, that uh, is that your uh, um, good looking out for this week, Ricardo? Do you have anything else for us? Any music or anything like that? No, I don't really have anything else. Kind of slow on the kind of slow on the music. Not that I'm not listening to anything, but it's not like anything new. Anything new? Uh, biggest dropped. I gotcha. Um, well, I have uh, this week. I ended up uh, catching up on season two of Love. Now I couldn't remember if I've already talked about uh, Love on here, uh, which is basically this uh, Netflix uh, TV show uh, that's uh, created and produced by Judd Apatow. And uh, if I did talk about it, I'm pretty sure that I talked about uh, season one. Now, uh, season two uh, just recently released and uh, it's got all new episodes and things like that. And um, basically, the show still stars uh, Jillian Jacobs, which uh, was uh, Britta from Community. So we go from like absolutely. And you know what? She's just really, really fucking good at like playing like problem not problematic but like characters that are like deeply rooted in their own like bullshit and like their own uh, problems and situations but like the difference is is that in community when she was playing uh when Jillian Jacobs was playing Britta it was you know obviously it was a uh, it was a comedy and uh she was always like the brunt of every joke um in fact I remember when um in community it was whenever they would screw something up or whenever, like, something would end up not turning out the right way, they were so like, oh, man, I really britted that up, you know, until it becomes this running gag um, uh, to do that. Uh, but with in, in Love, she plays a more dynamic character, you know, that is not only in AA and Alcoholics Anonymous, but she's also in Slaw, which was the first time of me ever hearing uh, that acronym, which actually is S L A A, and that's for that stands for Sex and Love um, uh, Addicts Anonymous, I believe. And so she's obviously like a really complex character with a lot of issues and things like that. And she meets Gus, who is uh, portrayed by this guy named Paul Russ, and I think he also has like a really heavy hand in the show. He like helps create it and write it and things like that, and He's this really, like, really awkward, um, he's this really awkward, people-pleasy, um, sort of, but still at the same time, like, entitled, arrogant dork that, uh, is trying to make it as a screenwriter in LA and things like that. And so, anyway, they end up getting in a relationship and, like, hijinks ensue and things like that. And the thing I love about Judd Apatow is that sometimes he can be really heavy handed with the way that he directs things because he always wants to make things very quote unquote real. Right. He always wants to like be very naked about the human experience. But with this show, with love in season two, um, it carries over so much of the goodness in season one, which is both of these characters are really fucked up and not in a really dramatic way, but in all the subtle ways that, you know, you think that someone like, um, 
uh, what's uh, Jillian Jacobs' character's name is Mickey, you know? And on the outside, she's, like, the leather jacket wearing, you know, like, uh, smoking. Really, Like, she's really cool. She's really chill. And she really is genuinely all of those things where she doesn't really give a crap about anything. And she thinks certain things are dorky. But at the same time, like, when you get to know her, when you get to be in an intimate space with her and Gus and in certain scenes... You see just how insecure she is about like everything around her. And you see how she panics when she's left alone and when she's left to like be her own in, like form of security and left to her own devices. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing with Gus is that, you know, he's on the outside. He, you know, he, he's not the most physically attractive guy and he's a uh, very and he's very like dorky and he likes magic and all of these things but he's also he has a whole lot of friends you know and people love him and um and he's very very popular in his like social circle of you know like getting together and uh, making up like goofy like ideas for tv shows and things like that but he is also very uh, on the opposite side of that he's also very very entitled and he's also very arrogant and he also he is also very people pleasing like he hates he hates standing out and um and disappointing anyone because he feels like that's not how to get far ahead in life so you see sometimes in certain scenes where uh mickey's character where jillian jacobs character she wants to do the cool rebellious thing uh, because it's just easier and he wants to like appease this person that's in front of them because he and it's just it's very it's very interesting how Judd Apatow chooses to take these two stereotypes but also like flip them around and show the underbelly of like you can be this and you can be this at the same time and how that sort of like feeds into their codependency and their toxic relationship. And it's a really funny, really poignant show. And I definitely recommend that people watch it. It's, it's, it's very easy to watch. It's very easy to get sucked into. And some of the conversations that they have are so uncomfortable in the best way. And the soundtrack is killer. So to cherry on top. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to check it out. Yeah, because, yeah. Because uh, I, I saw, I, I think I told you when you talked to me about it, I saw some of the first few episodes mm-hmm. uh, for season one back when I was still living at the apartment. I remember Karen was watching it. Yeah. And uh, I, oh. I, didn't, I didn't care for it at all. I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it anything pleasable. I just like, oh, cool. What and I just forgot. Huh? It was just one, it was just one of those things where... You know how you come across like certain TV shows and movie that just doesn't uh-huh. interest you in the slightest. That, 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 that's how that's how this one turned out for me. I just looked at it. I'm just like, this isn't my thing, and I just kind of forgot about it. And that was it. Well, you know, what did you? And I know this is a little off topic. What did you end up thinking about? Um, what's that girl who stars in Pitch Perfect? Um. Um. Anna Anna Kendrick. What did you think about Anna Kendrick's um, TV show that she had for a little bit? Did you already ditch that, or did you finish that, or what? Oh, I, I still I still want to finish it. I still have it on my on my watch list. I still have to finish it. See, but bro, I'm telling you, you then you need to give Love another chance because like it's not that Anna Kendrick and I think that was on Amazon, right? Amazon or no, no, that's on, that's on, no, that's on HBO Max. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um. 
uh, it's not that Anna Kendrick's uh, show on HBO Max was bad, but love is so much better. And I feel like me, you know how sometimes like you sit in front of a, a, a TV show and then you, like you glaze by it or you don't really pay attention or maybe you were just caught in a different time. I feel like if you gave it a second chance, hey, if you watch like two more episodes of love, I'll be like willing to rewatch. Uh, what's its name? I'm thinking of ending things. Um, so mm, we might or might not be I don't know if I'm going to compromise for that. Like I said, well, I think I saw like three episodes of that, of that show, Love, and I I don't ever want to go back to it. I didn't. Like I said, I didn't find. Like I said, if people enjoy it, that's great. That's amazing. Please enjoy what you enjoy. But I did not find it funny. I didn't really find it entertaining. I just kind of find it bland and kind of try hard, trying to be edgy, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm, and it very uh, I disagree I disagree a hell of a lot but okay we can move on um and okay so my last one that I had um was I May Destroy You and the creator of this is uh Michaela Cole from the UK and obviously she uh she uh wrote and she created uh other uh Netflix shows like uh, Chewing Gum and things like that um now, I May Destroy You is labeled as a comedy drama. Uh, I still have yet to see how it's funny. Uh, but then again, I'm only like three episodes in. Uh, I did want to go ahead and I want to talk about this, though, because I know this is going to be one of those shows that I actually end up bringing back up again in a later podcast episode because of how intense and heavy handed it's uh, I can already feel that it's going to be. My initial problem, uh, my not a problem, but my initial um, question about it, I guess, is the fact that it's called a comedy drama when I have yet to like really laugh at any parts that's going on at all. Now, basically what the what the show is about is about uh, a girl who is uh, uh, I think her name is Arabella. And basically she is in uh, she's a she's from the U.K., and she's trying to write a novel uh, that she got famous of, uh, that she basically got an offer of when she went viral on Twitter. Like, um, and basically she beca- she became internet famous and she got a book deal and all of this and that. But the main issue is that she was actually uh, in the very first episode, and this is not a spoiler, because uh, it's in the trailer, she gets uh, sexually assaulted, right? And so you go through the entire first season trying to go through the journey with her as she pieces together these repressed memories of the incidents that happened that night. And like I said, if it sounds really heavy, it's because it is. Now, they do it with a lot of humor. They do it with a lot of heart. Um, it's it's very dry humor. I'm guessing it's because it's from the UK. That's why I don't personally consider it as laugh out loud funny. But they have really intense messaging here, uh, talking mostly about like the gray area of sex, whether that's like what constitutes rape, what constitutes assault, uh, different things like that, whether it's uh, uh, whether if you have sex under false pretenses, like um, um, like if you lie to someone about how you who you actually are or if you have sex under gaslighting or things like that. Um, and basically, this this show attacks all the gray areas when it comes to the ideas of sexual assaults without being very like public service announcement. But like telling it under a very structured storyline and 
of course, it's beautiful to watch, you know, uh, because this uh, because this show in and of itself is basically set in London for most of the time. And it's basically like a love letter to London in the way that Issa Rae's Insecure is a love letter to L.A., you know, like Inglewood, Inglewood specifically. So mm-hmm. I, I love that idea. And um, anyway, Michaela Cole has some does some fantastic acting in that. Um, she has um, a, a lot of really, really prominent actors and actresses that do really good jobs there. And it really does... Um, just conjure up a lot of questions as far as like black men don't cheat, you know. Um, they don't. Uh huh. Okay. Well, uh, you watch the they first don't. episode. See about that, Broski. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can never convince me that black men cheat. No men cheats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no men, no men cheat. What are you talking about? Ever, is that right? Okay. No, All right. Never cheated ever. And uh, it, and basically, there's also a part in the season two where they compare like um the section like the the way that a woman has to go through uh the process of reporting a sexual assault uh, in Michaela Cole's character's case versus how a gay man has to go through the process of a sexual assault as a male and as uh, a a gay person that has to like go through a a police station and still has to be justified to be heard and things like that. And how maybe people will look at him like awkwardly or weirdly as he describes the situations and, and things like that. And it, it just, it basically attacks a lot of gray areas in a really interesting, beautiful way. And um, I, I'm not very far along in the season, but I, uh, but from what I've seen, I'm really excited to finish it and I will end up reporting back on it. Yeah. That, that's, that's one show I still want to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still gotta get to that, and then I'm actually gonna start watching uh, Lovecraft Ca- Country too. I'm, yes. I'm just gonna start that one. Probably gonna start that tomorrow. Yes, I I want to watch that one so bad, but bruh, you, I have to I have to figure out how to way to justify HBO Max, man. All these subscription services, bruh, they killing me. They killing me. They want me to pay like 10.99 for this, 14.99 for that, like. Next thing you know, like that adds up. Like all of this, I have like Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, and you want me to get HBO Max? Like at, at this point, I might as well like pay well, for cable. Well, don't get it, cause once you move in with me, you'll have access to it, cause I have it. Hey, there you go. Yeah. That that's how. Yeah, yeah, off. yeah. <laughs> you could just watch. You could you could just watch it. You could just watch on it, uh, all day, every day. So Hell you're good yeah. on that. Hell yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I would say get it though. I mean, like, like if you weren't in the in the situation where you could watch it free, I would definitely say get it. And this is not like a sponsorship, you know. Um, so we're not. HBO, HBO, HBO would never sponsor us, but uh, uh, the 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 service is pretty great. I'm actually really excited because I mean, outside of love. Craft country like even before i started seeing those trailers there's a lot of shows especially a lot of uh shows in the animated sector that i was really excited about like close enough and things like that just from the trailers that i've seen um that i've been wanting to watch on hbo max so yeah like for sure i am so no. ready to bum off of you ricardo like you don't even understand with hbo max i'm so hyped <laughs> uh i think they really have a, a chance to become like one of the top mm-hmm. uh, streaming services 
especially right now with with, uh, Netflix is going through right now with the whole cutie situation. I feel like if they play their cards right and keep getting like these these good movies and good shows added to the platform, I feel like they can like rise up pretty quickly through the ranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree for sure. Um, but uh, now with all of that, I pretty much wraps up the good looking out segment, you guys. So what that means is that is it's for tonight. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. And me and Ricardo love ya. We appreciate ya. Mm-hmm. With ya. Um, and this has been in living Spanglish. We out.